Hey guys, you're listening to Web of Wicked. We're a mother-daughter duo that bond over true crime. I'm Erin. I'm the mom. And I'm Kayla. I'm the daughter. On this podcast, we cover some sensitive topics, so listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Web of Wicked. Today, my mom is going to continue with what's turning into a bit of a mini-series of domestic violence cases. Like mom's last case, this one also takes place in Puerto Rico. Since she was living there when this case happened, she saw firsthand how it played out and the impact it had on the island. During COVID-19, there was an increase in domestic violence cases around the world. But in Puerto Rico, there was an explosion. Kashla was a bright light that was snuffed out much too soon. We hope this episode will contribute to keeping her memory alive in some small way. But before I turn it over to my mom, I just wanted to take a quick minute to give a huge thank you to one of our listeners, Chris from Connecticut, for giving us such a generous donation. It truly helps us out so much being new to this and making sure we have all the proper software to create these episodes for you guys. So again, thank you so much, Chris. We appreciate it so much. And with that, I will turn it over to my mom now. Yeah, thanks, Chris. That really helped us out so, so much. This one is a little bit longer, so I'm going to jump right into it. May 1st dawned as a beautiful day in San Juan, Puerto Rico. It was sunny and breezy with temperatures in the 80s. San Jose Lagoon was full of jet skis and boats, but unfortunately, these were not for pleasure. Most of these were being operated by law enforcement officials, and one boat stood out for the rest. It was a small private craft. At the bow was a man with a look of anguish on his face, brought to his knees with dread. He was staring intently into the distance at a blue object floating at the edge of the lagoon. This man was Keshla's father, Jose Antonio Rodriguez. In the back of the boat, other family, including her mother, Kayla, and her sister, Berelise. The reason authorities were gathered here was because a sighting of a possible human body in the lagoon had been reported. See, the entire island had been on high alert for the past 48 hours. A beloved local girl, 27-year-old Keshla Marlene Rodriguez-Ortiz, had been reported missing two days earlier. An Alerta Rosa, or pink alert, was issued on Thursday, April 29th, when her mother reported her missing. This was the first time in Puerto Rico that this alert was used. It had been made specifically to address the gender violence crisis in Puerto Rico. It's a way to quickly activate resources and get the word out when a woman over the age of 18 goes missing or has been kidnapped. Because of this alert, and also due to another reason that we'll get into shortly, the entire island was aware of her disappearance. With the report of a possible body being found, word quickly spread through the community due to social media and word of mouth. News agencies had gathered on the nearby bridge and roadways, jockeying to get the best view for their cameras. Friends and members of the community had also gathered. They were holding on to the last shred of hope, praying that this wasn't Kashla. Law enforcement on jet skis were the first to reach the object in the water. It was communicated to the other craft in the area that yes, this was a body. Little by little, the grim realization rippled through the onlookers. The moment her father realized this was most likely his daughter was evident. 
It was as if the air was knocked out of him. The photos that news agencies captured are heartbreaking. Wails that could be heard from the shore went up, first from her mother and sister, and then spreading throughout the crowd of onlookers. Some stood in solemn silence, while others joined hands or embraced, trying to comfort each other. Of course, official confirmation that this was Keshla hadn't been made yet. That wouldn't happen until the next day, and it had to be done through dental records. But her family knew the truth. This was their beloved Keshla. She was gone, and life would never be the same. Oh my god, yeah. That had to be terrible, that her parents actually watched her body being taken out of the water. Yeah, you don't see that all the time, where the parents get word and they're there for that. But the way this spread over social media, they raced down there and they had to see everything. Yeah, like those images are probably embedded in their heads. It's horrible. So let's walk things back a little bit. For those of you that listened to our first episode, you may remember hearing Keshla's name. She was the second woman to disappear that last week of April 2021. The other one being Andrea Ruiz Costas, who was the subject of our first episode. Their names would be forever tied together because of the circumstances of their deaths and how they happened only days apart. So if you haven't listened to that episode, you might want to pause this and give it a listen. It will give you some background on the political and social climate in Puerto Rico concerning gender violence during this time. But back to Keshla. So who was she? Keshla was a 27-year-old woman that had grown up in the San Juan area of Puerto Rico. She was born on November 6, 1993 to parents Kayla Ortiz and Jose Antonio Rodriguez. Her and her sister Berelise were close in age and shared an incredible bond. They were best friends. She lived in the residential Villa Esperanza in San Juan. She worked as a pet groomer at a local pet salon and loved her job. She adored animals and had dogs and cats of her own. Her family said she was always rescuing animals and bringing them home. She was a beautiful, fun-loving girl and was extremely close to her family. Neighbors of hers commented that she was very warm and friendly, very down-to-earth. She wasn't a party girl. She worked and came home and always had time for anyone in need. If Keshla had one fault, it may have been that she loved too much, and her unconditional love for one individual is what ultimately led to this tragedy. See, sadly, the reason Keshla's case seemed to get so much more attention and resources than other cases of missing or murdered women in Puerto Rico was her connection to one man, Felix El Diamante Verdejo. This is a name that almost everyone in Puerto Rico knows. He was a local hero and considered a superstar due to his boxing talent. He represented Puerto Rico in the 2012 Olympics. After that, he turned professional and signed with top-ranked boxing with a sign-on bonus of $600,000. Neither him nor Keshla came from money, so this was a big deal. He was named Prospect of the Year by both Boxing Scene and Top Rank in 2013. And then in 2014, ESPN recognized him as the top prospect of the year. He was traveling all over for fights, many of which were televised. Felix continued to move up the ranks, winning and then defending the WBO Latino title. But during his off time, he got a little carried away spending his newly made money on toys and living in the fast lane. Literally. 
In 2016, he was injured after losing control of his motorcycle while riding it on the highway. This happened at the worst possible time in his career. He had been set to sign a deal for an important title fight, so it definitely sidelined his career. And even though he got back in the ring, he never fully recovered from it. He was in the midst of making a comeback when our case takes place. I feel like we see that happen a lot with these younger kids who go from basically having nothing to a ton of money overnight. Yeah, and they have no clue how to handle their money, and they just end up being reckless with it. Yeah, and it's not just in boxing. Like, in basketball and baseball, kids barely out of high school get these multi-million contracts and have no clue how to handle it. Yeah, and I think a lot of them just end up surrounded by people that definitely don't have their best interests at heart. Yeah, no. Okay, so how do Keshla and Felix's lives intersect? They met each other in middle school. By 2021, they had been dating on and off for over 11 years. They were together throughout high school and when he went to the Olympics. She even used to travel with him for his boxing matches. But somewhere around 2015, Felix met the girl that he would go on to refer to as his wife. I've never actually seen any proof that they were married, but they went on to live together, have a daughter, and that's what most news reports call her. So for the sake of simplicity, I'll just call her his wife. Elise Marie Santiago had grown up with a little more privilege than Keshla and Felix had. She was a couple years younger, and she had gone to private school. Her father's described as a businessman by some, but there are rumors about how he really makes all his money. And I'm not going to get into that, but, you know, I think you get the picture. Elise was an Instagram model and beauty influencer. On social media, she has the sexy photos, the perfect hair and makeup, eyebrows, lashes, hair extensions. You get the idea. And not that there's anything wrong with that. It was just in stark contrast to Keshla, who was more of a natural beauty, a sweet, down-to-earth, girl-next-door type. I can imagine how she must have felt when she found out about Felix's relationship with Elise. She probably felt like she couldn't compete. She was working full-time to support herself. She didn't have the time and money to live the kind of lifestyle that Elise did. She had supported Felix from when he was completely unknown. But shortly after he signed his contract and made it, he started pushing her to the side for what he considered a newer, shinier model that fit into his new life better. But he didn't let Keshla go. Oh, no. He wanted the best of both worlds. And there were more intertwining of their lives. Keshla's brother-in-law, her sister's husband, was Felix's cousin, and Felix was their two children's godfather. So Keshla's nephews had Felix for a godfather, and that's a web all in itself. Oh my god, that was a mouthful. Imagine that. Her sister, who's her best friend, her husband is Felix's cousin, and it sounds like they were close if they chose him to be their kid's godfather. With all those family connections, no wonder it was so hard for her to leave him for good. Yeah, and on top of that, I really think he was her first love and that she just couldn't imagine her life without him. And that just goes to show that love really can be an addiction. Now, obviously, Keshla and Felix's relationship was not a healthy one. But he was her first love, and she just couldn't seem to let him go. Even though he had his public wife... He still was very controlling with Keshla. He didn't like her posting pictures of herself on social media. 
even to go as far as getting mad when friends or coworkers of hers posted group photos with her in them. He would also make her feel guilty if she ever went out with friends or did anything socially. So basically, he wanted her to sit home and wait for him to decide to have time for her? Yep. Basically, anything she did, he would just accuse her of looking for attention from other men. He was abusive. Ew. Physically, <laughs> physically and emotionally. As much as it hurt her, she knew he wasn't good for her. And she did try to break it off with him many times. But he wouldn't let her go. He would constantly show up at her home, hitting the windows of her apartment to get her attention. He would be there early in the morning to corner her when she went out to her car to go to work. Or be waiting at her apartment for her when she got off of work. So despite advice from her friends and family, she would always eventually let him back in. Ew. He had some nerve trying to stop her from posting on social media when he had a whole ass family on the side. Yeah, that's definitely classic controlling behavior. But this case is that on steroids. He didn't want to claim her publicly or be with her full time, but then he expected complete commitment from her. And this just gets me so aggravated. Yeah, that's disgusting. So by late 2020 into 2021, things had reached a boiling point. In the past months on social media, Felix and Elise were putting the perfect family persona out in full force. But trouble was brewing. See, just like Keshla knew about Elise, Elise also knew about Keshla and had for a long time. So he was playing both of them. Anytime things came to a head, he would promise Elise that he would end things with Keshla. But of course, he never did. All the while, he would give Keshla false hope that someday she would be his one and only. But recently, Keshla and Elise were starting to really butt heads. There was an incident at Keshla's apartment where Keshla and her sister Berelise were on the balcony and Felix and Elise were below, and they had a very public argument. There's actually a recording of it taken by a neighbor floating around on social media. They're all arguing in Spanish, and it's not pretty. So there had been some definite turbulence in this love triangle. Then in mid-April, the plot thickens. Keshla had some news. She just found out that she was pregnant. She had taken a drugstore test and it was positive. When she shared the news with Felix, let's just say he was less than ecstatic. He reminded her that he was a public figure with an image to protect. He had a wife and child. He told her that having this baby was impossible and she had to get an abortion. Keshla refused. She told him he didn't have to claim the baby. She would give the baby her last name and raise him or her by herself. He was not pleased. Although Felix's reaction must have hurt, it didn't stop Keshla from sharing her happy news with her mother and sister. Although her mother now lived in Orlando, Florida, that didn't stop them from being extremely close. They talked multiple times a day, often using FaceTime so they could see each other face to face. Because she was so happy about the pregnancy, of course her mother and sister expressed their total support for her. Shortly after, Keshla went to the doctor to get her pregnancy confirmed with a blood test, and it also came back positive. Although Felix wasn't happy, he was still staying in touch with Keshla. He made arrangements to meet her early in the morning after he was done with his morning training session to see the blood test and talk face-to-face. 
At 7 a.m. on the morning of their planned meetup, she spoke to her mother and told her the plan of meeting with Felix before she went into work. Her mother had doubts. She told her, Chica, cuidado, warning her to be careful and watch out. She was nervous because of his previous reactions and how he had pressured her to end the pregnancy. But Keshla assured her that everything would be fine. This was Felix, after all. The family had known him since they were kids. But her mother had an ominous feeling. Yeah, because mothers always know. Yep, we do. But do you listen? No. (laughs) (laughs) Later that morning, her mother received word that Keshla hadn't shown up for work that day. Her job was immediately alarmed because Keshla was so dependable and she would have never just not shown up. Her mother's heart immediately sunk. This couldn't be a coincidence. But there was no time to dwell on that just yet. She immediately collaborated with her other daughter, Veralise, Keshla's sister, and closest confidant. Together, they sprung into action, immediately contacting police, but also getting the word out to friends and family and starting a social media campaign to find Keshla. Kayla immediately made arrangements to fly from Florida to Puerto Rico. She made sure to let police know the situation with her daughter and Felix, so he was a person of interest immediately. An alerta rosa was put out for her. For reasons that were a lot to do with Felix's fame, news agencies lit up with stories of her disappearance. There was also another reason everyone's attention was laser-focused on this missing person's case. It was April 29th, and earlier that day, Andrea Ruiz's partially burned body had been found after she had been missing for two days. There had been such an uptick in abuse and homicides due to intimate partner violence in Puerto Rico that the past January, the governor had declared a state of emergency concerning this. These two cases really put a spotlight on this issue. And right now, the whole island was hoping and praying Keshla wasn't going to suffer the same fate as Andrea. So Keshla disappeared on Thursday, April 29th. The morning of the next day, Friday the 30th, Felix Verdejo was named a person of interest by the police. He came in voluntarily for questioning, accompanied by his lawyers, but refused to answer most questions. He was only there for half an hour. With him not cooperating, police got a warrant to impound his Dodge Durango. He was then permitted to leave. Almost simultaneously, Keshla's car, a 2016 Kia Forte, was found abandoned in a lot next to a house in Canavanas, about 40 minutes away from Keshla's apartment. Many of her personal items were found in the car, including her wallet, but her identification wasn't inside. The police tried to use canines to track her from the car, but had no luck. A marine unit was also dispatched to the Rio Grande River in Loesa. The police took possession of Keshla's car and had it towed to be processed for evidence. Later that day, Felix's wife was summoned to police headquarters for questioning. She also showed up accompanied by lawyers, but she did cooperate with police more than Felix had. She agreed to answer questions. She was also permitted to leave after questioning. Police continued applying for warrants and investigating the case. That brings us to May 1st, the day where we began our story today. On that day, every hope of finding Keshla alive was crushed. No one doubted that Keshla had been found when they pulled her body from the lagoon. With their telephoto lenses, news agencies had zoomed in. 
A body with dark hair clad in what looked to be blue scrubs was loaded onto a bodyboard and pulled into a boat to be transported to the Institute of Forensic Sciences. A tattoo was observed on the upper back of the recovered body. The family confirmed it to be similar to one Keshla had. This tattoo was like a bad omen. It was of a diamond. Keshla had gotten it as a symbol of her love and support for Felix. His boxing name was, of course, El Diamante, the diamond. Wow, how ironic is it that she had a symbol of her murder tattooed on her body? That just really makes me even more sad for her. That's the person she loves so much, and he betrayed her in the worst way. Yeah, the absolute worst possible way. Ugh. The next day, on Sunday, May 2nd, it was officially confirmed by dental records that this was Keshla. The same day her body was identified, the Puerto Rico Police Bureau, the Puerto Rico Department of Justice, and the FBI were moving very quickly in their investigation. They issued a federal warrant for Felix Verdejo's arrest. They contacted his lawyers, and Felix was allowed to turn himself in. News cameras captured the police taking custody of him. He was charged with kidnapping resulting in death, carjacking resulting in death, and intentionally killing an unborn child, otherwise known as Lacey and Connor's Law. That's the law that was made in honor of Lacey Peterson and her unborn baby Connor, who were killed by Scott Peterson. The penalty for these charges are life without parole or even the death penalty. The reason why they were able to file these charges and get a clearer picture of events in part was due to a cooperating witness. At first, his name was kept confidential, but it was later released as being Luis Cadiz Martinez. He was much more than a witness, though. He was a co-conspirator. See, he had been contacted by Felix on April 27th, two days before Keshla went missing. He was hired to help get rid of her. The reason Felix gave for wanting her gone was because she wouldn't agree to get rid of the baby, and he felt his life and image would be ruined if she had that baby. Together, they hatched the evil plan to lure Keshla to her death. According to Luis, the way the plan was carried out was Felix called Keshla pretending to want to see the blood test, confirming the pregnancy, and to talk things over. She left her house and went to meet him. When Felix pulled up, she got in his vehicle, thinking that he was ready to talk. Little did she know, Luis was waiting in a nearby vehicle, waiting for Felix's signal. The conversation quickly turned into an argument. Felix used his boxing skills in a depraved way. He punched Keshla several times in the head, stunning her, and most likely knocking her out. Felix and Luis then injected her with drugs that had been purchased at a local drug spot. They then proceeded to wrap her hands and feet with wire and attach cinder blocks to her body. Luis then took Keshla's keys and jumped in her car, driving to the Theodore Muskoko Bridge. Felix met him there in his Durango, where Keshla was lying in the back, incapacitated. They pulled both cars over on the side of the bridge. They unloaded Keshla's body and threw her over the side into the water below. Felix pulled out a gun and fired two shots at Keshla as she sunk. Okay, I need to take a little breather here. Yeah. Like, holy shit, that poor girl. Like, I don't know, that was complete overkill. It's just horrifying. Okay, let me keep going. Much of Luis's report of what happened was corroborated by the autopsy. Her face was battered and bruised. 
Her jaw was broken and her nose had sustained a crushing blow. Toxicology showed that the substance she was injected with was confirmed to be heroin and fentanyl. She hadn't been hit by any of the bullets. So on top of being an asshole, he didn't know how to shoot a gun. (laughs) No. Worst of all, her cause of death was asphyxia due to immersion. So basically, the beating and the drug overdose hadn't killed her. The shots Felix fired had missed her. She had drowned. The only thing that I can hope is that she was unconscious and didn't know what was happening. It's just horrific. Yeah, I have no words. I truly hope she wasn't awake for that. People that can do something like that are just pure evil. So Felix is now in jail, and the judge ordered him held without bond. Thank goodness. The day after he was arrested, there was a huge media presence surrounding this case. Her family was doing an amazing job advocating for her and calling for justice. They helped organize a protest against gender violence in memory of Keshla. People found out about it through social media and WhatsApp. Hundreds gathered on the Theodore Moscoso Bridge that passes over the San Juan Lagoon where Keshla's body was found. People posted pictures on the side of the bridge of other women who have lost their lives due to this type of violence. Chants of ni uno mas, not one more, and nos quiermos vivas, we want each other alive. These sayings would go on to be hashtags supporting this cause. Her sister was there dressed as Keshla, wearing her work uniform. She fell to her knees in despair, holding a picture of her sister. It was an extremely emotional display of her family's love for her. On Thursday, May 6th, both Felix and Louise were indicted by the grand jury on the charges I mentioned earlier. Felix was also indicted on a charge of using a firearm during a crime of violence. In the charging documents, Louise is listed as a cooperating witness. So Felix picked the wrong Sicario for the job. The wrong what? Oh, Sicario? Sorry. That's a Spanish word for, like, hitman or assassin. Hmm. So this supposedly tough killer from the street, as soon as he was brought in, he sang like a bird. On the same day the jury indicted these two complete dirtbags, hundreds of people gathered at a funeral home for Keshla's wake. Her family had invited the public to both mourn her and celebrate her life. People from all walks of life came bearing flowers, balloons, and stuffed animals. There were so many people, they held the wake for two nights. While that went on, tributes to Keshla around the island were growing. There was a tribute on the bridge. At the entrance of her apartment was a memorial with pictures, candles, and mementos in her honor. On the wall of her apartment building, a tribute was spray-painted. The size of her funeral procession showed how much the whole island came together to support the family and protest the culture of gender violence across the island. There was a heartbreaking moment when her mother and sister couldn't bring themselves to let go of her coffin so it could be carried to the waiting horse-drawn carriage. Many of the mourners dressed in white at the family's request. Others wore purple in support of domestic violence awareness. The carriage and the horses that pulled it were both white, creating a really beautiful but at the same time extremely sad sight. The procession was so large that they had a whole squadron of police escorts to block off intersections and help them navigate the way. As they drove to Villa Esperanza, where Keshla had lived, the procession grew, with more trucks and cars emblazoned with messages and tributes, and even four-wheelers joined in. 
They stopped there and an emotional prayer was read. Four white doves were released, followed by the crowd exclaiming, We love you, Kashla. The video and photos of her family mourning are heartbreaking. The procession continued to the Los Angeles Memorial Park Cemetery in Guanabo, where she was buried. A helicopter hovered overhead, dropping rose petals on the crowd. Her devastated father said that he was sure that, quote, at some point we will see her again, and I will tell her many things that in her 27 years of life, I did not have time to tell her. That breaks my heart. After the burial, everyone went back to the bridge and threw flowers over the edge into the water below. Her mother made her promise with a simple statement, quote, I'm going to do justice. I love you. And that is just heartbreaking. You hear so many stories of feelings like that. If you only had one more time, one more chance to tell a person how much you love them, it's just a reminder not to take time we're given for granted. Definitely. And I'm sure Keshla knew how much her father, mother, and sister, and her other family loved her. They all had really close relationships, but I totally understand how her dad felt. It's so sad. Yeah, and let me just say, the wake and funeral they put together for her was truly amazing. I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, I know a lot of people made donations towards her funeral and her family. They really must have used every penny plus more to put together that kind of funeral. It really shows how loved she was, though. But unfortunately, now we need to turn our attention back to the two losers sitting in federal prison. There was some talk in the beginning of them possibly being charged for first-degree murder on the local Puerto Rico courts. Because remember, neither of them had really been charged with actual murder. They were both charged at the federal level for carjacking resulting in death, kidnapping resulting in death, and the intentional killing of an unborn child. And don't get me wrong, those charges are just as serious as a murder charge. And actually, the death penalty was a possibility on those federal charges. If they were charged locally, the steepest penalty possible would be life without parole, because Puerto Rico doesn't have the death penalty anymore. So after some back and forth, it was ultimately decided that they wouldn't charge them in the Puerto Rico court system. They would let the federal system take care of it. Some people were upset and thought that they should have been charged in both places, and legally they could have been. But honestly, I think it was for the best. The feds have much better resources and experience in order to successfully investigate and prosecute them. The other thing I didn't address is there was a huge call for Felix's wife to be charged. There were rumors flying that her and possibly her father had something to do with the murder. To be honest, when this was going on, I definitely had those feelings too. The only fact that we know about that is that in the end, she wasn't charged. So either there wasn't enough evidence to prosecute, she made some sort of deal, or she really didn't know about it. But nothing about that has been released. Her lawyers made a statement that she was not considered a suspect in the case at all and urged people to stop spreading those type of rumors about her on social media, complaining that they were ruining her life. Okay, I get it. She may not be involved, but she shouldn't be playing the victim card here either. Yeah, I don't agree with the way her lawyer was spinning it. Keshla was a victim here, but that's just my opinion. So where are the cases now? 
Well, first of all, they decided not to seek the death penalty in either case. So we all know that Luis cooperated with the government. He gave the full account and the details of what happened. He had originally pled not guilty. But on November 28, 2022, as part of a deal with prosecutors, he agreed to change his plea to guilty of the charges of carjacking resulting in death and the killing of an unborn child. In return, the other charge of kidnapping resulting in death was dropped. He was informed that the maximum sentence he would face is 30 years to life. And there have been some statements made by people with inside knowledge of the case that there's an agreement that he'll be sentenced to 30 years. And honestly, he's lucky if he gets that. This was such a grisly and depraved crime. And Luis wasn't such an upstanding citizen to begin with. He was a convicted felon and he known as Sicario in many circles. He was the one that was hired by people high up in the drug game to do their dirty work, getting rid of enemies. No great loss to society, to be sure. Yeah, definitely not. His sentencing was set for May 1st of 2023, which is the two-year anniversary of Keshla's body being found, and exactly when I'm writing this story. But Felix's trial was postponed, so they then postponed Luis's sentencing too. I'm guessing because part of his deal with prosecutors to get only 30 years instead of life without parole includes testifying against Felix. And if they gave him that sentence on May 1st, then he would really have no incentive to go through with testifying against Felix. So as of the time we're recording this, we're still waiting for justice to be served, but it's coming very soon. I just don't understand how someone can be so cold and calculating. Yeah, and Luis, like, had no personal connection to her at all. Like, I've met people like him. They're psychopaths. Empty, emotionless. They were just brought up to not have any empathy and do what you got to do to make money. All it is was a paycheck to him. When in reality, they're taking a human life. And in this case, two lives. Keshla's life and that poor innocent baby that never got a chance to live. I can't understand the mentality of people like that. They just don't care. I mean, to do that in exchange for money, Felix is just evil in his own. But the other guy, he was told from the beginning that she was pregnant, a young pregnant woman. And to just, I don't know, it hasn't come out like what the agreement was, how much he was supposed to be given, but any amount of money, how could you do that? Anyway, let me not get too emotional. Keshla's family attended the court proceedings for Luis. When they left the courtroom, her mother did not hold back. I'm paraphrasing here, but she called the people involved pigs and murderers. Go mom. (laughs) Exactly. I like her mother. If you see her in interviews, she does not pull any punches. Yeah, a true mama bear. She said... We almost fainted in there. There's no relief for my heart. I'll live with this for the rest of my life. They're all murderers, and there are some missing. When asked who she was referring to, she didn't hesitate to say, Felix's ex-wife, Elise. She said, quote, She knows that for me, she's another murderer in my baby's case. I always said it from day one. She is another murderer, end quote. So it's very clear that she thinks Elise was involved in Keshla's deaths. And who can blame her for feeling that way? It's her baby that was killed. 
there's been quite a bit of back and forth between Cashless sister Berelise and Elise, Felix's wife, mostly over social media, with a lot of indirect jabs being thrown back and forth at each other. So there's definitely no love lost there. But let me state again, she has not been charged with anything at all related to the crime. So take from that what you will. Also in November of 2022, the prosecutor released a document detailing all the electronic evidence they have against Felix. A few of the things listed are proof of communication between him and Keshla on the day of the murder, proof of communication with Luis the week before and the day of the murder, also incriminating location data. Also disclosed was evidence from the Auto Expresso toll system in Puerto Rico, video of the security cameras on the bridge, and other traffic cams, records of financial transactions, social media records, and iCloud recordings. So basically, he's screwed. But as of right now, Felix has decided to plead not guilty. His pretrial conference was originally scheduled for February 10th, with the trial set to begin on February 27th. Those dates were later postponed a few times. As I'm writing this, the trial is now set to begin on June 19th of this year. I'll be watching closely and we'll try to give you an update once there's a resolution, but I fully expect him to be convicted and spend the rest of his life behind bars. I certainly hope so. He will. I have faith. I truly hope for her family's sake there's no more delays, though. They've done such a wonderful job keeping Keshla's name alive. They run an Instagram page in her memory called Keshla Rodriguez Hostia, where her sister shares happy photos and videos of Keshla. She also uses it to give updates of the family's fight for justice. Her mother won't stop until she fulfills the promise of getting justice that she made on the day she laid her baby to rest. Her family has suffered so, so much, and much of it publicly. They've exposed that private and raw part of their grief to the public so Keshla's name can be remembered, and there really is, Neona Mas. I'll leave you with something her mother said at the beginning of this nightmare. Describing her daughter, she said, quote, He is not the diamond. My daughter was the diamond. And nothing could be more true than that. Wow, guys, that was a tough one. Thank you for all of you that hung in there for this case. Hopefully we're improving a little by little. Starting the podcast is definitely not easy, especially the editing part. So thanks for those of you that are giving us a chance and supporting us. We appreciate it more than you know. If you like what you hear, please, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Amazon Music or whatever platform you're listening on. And don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Web of Wicked on all the platforms. To contact us or give us suggestions for cases, you can email us at webofwicked at gmail.com. Till next time. Bye. Bye.